You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 243, Charmaine Cooper and the Everywhere God. Welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I am your host, Eric Nevins, and thank you. I'm so deeply grateful that you are here. You have a lot of podcast options. I don't know if you knew this, but 2020 was a banner year for podcasts. We almost doubled the number of podcasts in existence. There's about 1.6. I've seen as high as 1.8 million podcast available and you chose halfway there you downloaded it if it ever comes up you somebody says to you hey what are you listening to these days and you feel like you want to add halfway there to the conversation it sure would mean a lot to me i would appreciate that uh so thanks for being here um as always you can find show notes at halfway there podcast.com join the mailing list so you never miss an episode and with that let's get on to our conversation we have a very great conversation today i can't wait uh, to, to have it. Um, our guest, she is an author, a speaker, and a podcast host of her own. Her show is called The Shark Handed Podcast, which I think is pretty cool. Our guest is Charmaine Cooper. Charmaine, welcome to Halfway There. Oh, so delighted to be here, Eric. Thank you for the honor and privilege. And hello, everybody out there. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. <laughs> it's so great to, to have you here. And uh, we had a lot of fun. It's been a while now, but on International Podcast Day, you came on and yes. and we talked about uh, your podcast. And I just thought that was so great. Let's do it. Let's do it for the show. So I'm glad that you're here. Why don't, you, here. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about who you are and where God has you right now? Okay, so um, as you mentioned, I am the host of Shark Handed Podcast and loving the growth <laughs> of this year that I've launched a podcast. So it's quite interesting you opened up the way you did because, yeah, t- 2020 was the banner year. And I entered 2020 with no podcast in mind, with no books in mind, with nothing <laughs> on my agenda of that sort in nature. But yeah. God, <laughs> he kind of arrested me in the middle of you know, not being able to go anywhere, worldwide pandemic. And it was one of the most exhilarating um, and encouraging faith building experiences to step out on water. And I think as believers, we're all called to walk on water. But hey, can we be real? Not a lot of us are Peters out there. He, He at least stepped out on the water. He put his toe in there. I don't know if I would have done that. So it's a very scary thing for us, even though we know that God is always there with us. So I stepped out, did a podcast, and I've been learning as I, as I, as I do every episode and growing. And one of the highlights of my growth is really partnering with associations like your own. Uh, Christian Podcast Association, which is a community of like-minded, passionate believers who want to make a difference in the world. Um, Yeah, a little bit about me. I am a Black single female, so that is sometimes some of the topics we bring up on my podcast. (laughs) That's good. I I cannot imagine... I mean, obviously we have very different backgrounds, but I, I can't imagine being single these days, like with all the apps and stuff. What I see some of the, I see those TikToks, right? I'm like, that is insane. I don't, I can't imagine how people do it. So yeah, I kudos to you. Oh yeah. Like the whole dating online scene, mm. uh, we, we go there like, so, and it's obviously not limited to 
and ethnicity, but we know that 2020 was definitely a, a surfacing year where we were able to yeah. come to terms with some difficult things with racial divides in um, injustice in our systems, not just the world, but I think also in the church. So um, my podcast is really about bringing nations together around the topic of, hey, let's get vulnerable. Because through vulnerability, that's when you're able to tap into new abilities. But it's only when we are uh, willing to cross that threshold of discomfort and talk about the elephant in the room. <laughs> so yep. um, I've had the honor of having some great guests as well. And we do solo episodes. And I share my story of, you know, um, healing um, and also the best adventure of my life, which is walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. Well, I want to hear all about that story and uh, tell. I want you to tell us all about that. Um, I know you're in Canada now. You're from Canada. Is that where you, you grew up there? Yes. Born and raised in Canada, uh, Toronto, Canada. What's up, Canadians listening? <laughs> <laughs> My parents are from the Caribbean. Um, I have family in Jamaica still. I have family in England. Uh uh, we did have some in Montreal, but mostly in Toronto as well. So I uh, love it. It's a, it's a interracial family that we have and um, we love one another and we're growing to love one another more because I think, you know, you know, when you got that aunt or you got that <laughs> uncle, <laughs> so, and you, and you know how some of us were like, okay, at least COVID lockdowns, we didn't have the Christmas gathering, right. but you still had to meet on zoom. And then they still were that aunt or that uncle. Um, we love each other and we grow to love one another more and appreciate our uniquenesses because that's how we were made. I've so, got yeah. that. I've got that uncle, but I'm not going to tell you which one it is. I'm just going to leave it there. And then if they, if they happen to listen, they'll all, they'll all just like, they'll know. Yeah. They'll be like, uh, is he talking about me? No, but <laughs> Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, well, that's good. Um, okay, so growing up in Toronto, what was that like? Because was it a family? Like, was it a Christian family, or was it? You know, I, it's different. You know, I, I'm finding, which this fascinates me, by the way. I'm mm -hmm. finding that different places there are these little different pockets of Christianity, right? And so I don't know if you grew up in a Christian home or not. Uh, you'll mm -hmm. tell me, but it's fascinating to me to hear kind of from different cities, like what that's like, cause there's, they all have kind of their own flavors. So. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up Pentecostal, okay. um, but I didn't know I, Canadians were allowed to be Pentecostal. It seems a little right? too, too right. gregarious. We were there. All right. <laughs> so I grew up in that whole um, demographic, but I didn't want anything to do with that God, what I was seeing and just, you know, I wanted to be young, do my own thing. And then, you know, um, I had a very loving, diligent, praying mother. And my father was uh, an elder in the church. And um, so at a young age, I went through divorce, actually. This is part of what the book is I'll be releasing this spring. It's called The Purpose Project because I delve down into how do we find and discover our purpose in life? And it, it, it sometimes starts from us inspecting our family of origin. So I'm glad you asked me this question because that's where I had to go back to to be able to reconcile what God was calling me to to unearth the things that were obstructions or, you know, 
roadblocks to pursuing that purpose. So I grew up in a Christian family. I wasn't, I wasn't saved, but I was riding the curtails of my mom and dad who were Christians and leaders in the church. But at home, it was a mess. Um, they went through a divorce at, when, when I was 11. And uh, my dad left fairly quickly. He actually didn't, and I, I saw this later as a 20-year-old something, I, I felt deep-seated rejection from that first male in my life um, because he didn't just divorce my mom. I internalized that he divorced me as well. And that is because he married another woman who had another daughter my age. So, And the next oh, time wow. I talked to him uh, was when I was 28. And there was a whole bunch of things that happened between 11 and 28. But in that, in that middle ground, when I said, okay, I want nothing to do with this Christianity because if my dad was an elder and hey, this is what's going on, okay, you know what? This is not for me. But God grabbed a hold of my heart. He got my attention. And at 19, I surrendered my life in a non-denominational church. So in Toronto, we have non-denominational as well. <laughs> um, and I've never looked back since. I've made mistakes, but it was the best decision of my life. Yeah. And um, he said that, yeah, he would be my father. He would be, he's like my dad, whereas he still used my natural father to bring me into the earth. And that's why I do have purpose because my purpose comes from him, the Lord, our savior and friend. So um, yeah, he go on and on, but that's kind that's of like good. a nutshell of how I grew up. Yeah, yeah, and in yeah, we 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 watched Jimmy Swaggart. Oh my goodness, we love PTL. We were all into that. Benny Hand, like you, my mom was glued to that television. So I grew up with that, and it's funny because now I look back and I and even though all of us make mistakes, I look back and I see these great men and women of God that my mom fed her soul on and her spirit on, in a great time of loneliness. And uh, yeah. she passed away when I was 23, so she's no longer with me, but I will see her again someday in glory. Mm. But those years where she was very lonely, uh, those, those ministers really poured into her spirit, and I am able to reap from that now. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so tell us about that experience. You said you gave, you, you gave your life to Jesus at 19 at a non-denominational church. Like, what was that like? Why? What did, how'd you end up there? What, you know, take us into that. Okay. Just remember when you're listening to this again, you asked Eric. <laughs> All right. That's what we do here. It's okay. I love it. Okay. So remember when they said that I didn't want to have anything to do with this, you know, can I just say it without sounding blasphemous? Do it. Crazy Jesus. Yeah. Because I saw what I perceived as craziness, just irrational behavior. Okay. Yeah. We love God. We pray to God, but it doesn't take all that. Are, are you talking about some of the Pentecostal kind of Pentecostal speaking in tongues? Yeah. Just, um, and I think in that in those, in those days, 1990s, I'll say this, yeah. uh, maybe late eighties, early, early nineties. I was just a kid. Um, but oh, now I'm dating myself. So, <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> So I remember, um, I forget his name, but there was a minister that he was given the tag name, a Pentecostal minister that was known for laughter. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of laughter in the Pentecostal movement and it was an uproar and it didn't take off. So I was one of those skeptics because I would see some of that. 
So um, when I was 17, my mother would force me, 16 and 17, force me to go to youth group. Didn't want to go, but my brother got saved before me and he was on fire for God. And so she's like, you're going with your brother to youth group. So I I started to go, but at 19, we had a guest minister that came to that church and it was a beautiful church, a lot of young people. So that's what kept me coming. I, I saw people like me. I saw young individuals like myself and guess what got a hold of me just the power of God's love and how it happened to manifest in that service for me I guess God has a sense of humor because he knew that was the last thing I wanted to do um I just a spirit of joy I had so much pain on the inside that I left unresolved that I didn't even speak about and I I believe that God knew I needed a river of joy to really bring about that healing in my life and I would say huh, maybe a good hour I was on that floor laughing 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 and just tears like just all this welled up you know joy that wasn't coming from me it was coming from the presence of God mm. and I knew that this was real because I remember thinking what are you doing Charmaine get up stop this wow I was talking to myself and for that it hasn't it hasn't happened to me a lot but I can honestly say through my experience I wasn't able to stop that and it was about an hour Wow. And from there I realized, okay, God, you're you want my attention and um I'm yours. I'm gonna surrender my life to you, the pain, and I'm gonna trust you for that healing. So that's kind of like what my experience was in coming to the Lord. Okay. Um I love that. So is that was that part of like the Toronto blessing, that whole thing? Were you oh, part I of that? Know that. Uh, yeah. Right. So it started in Toronto, you're right. The airport blessing, and then it went all over the globe from there. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. Fascinating. So I haven't heard anybody who's had that, who's was directly affected by that. So I love hearing that story. Uh, And you know, I think, so it can be one of those things, friends where you're like, I don't know how I feel about that. Maybe especially if you don't come from a, from a, that kind of background. Right. Yeah. Even, but go, go back. Um, Not uncommon. So people like DL Moody, who I think is pretty conservative. He had an experience where he was like, uh, maybe not laughing, but where God was like overwhelming him with his, with joy and with love. Yes. And he had to like, it begged God to stop. He'd go read the account. And then also <laughs> you, you go back further. Jonathan Edwards dealt with this. Like, so some really, right. you know, um, I would say conservative or kind of people who wouldn't be necessarily, we wouldn't think of as charismatic, actually have had these experiences as well. So yeah. all of that to say, that's fascinating to me. And I lo- thank you for sharing it because I think it's really powerful. I, you know, it's not always, not everybody get has that experience, but sometimes it does and it changes your life. So how did that change your life? Cause yeah. did that heal? Did it, what did it do? It, um, it brought about a lot of healing. Um, and you know, one of the things that we realize about healing is that it's it can be miraculous and instant, but our bodies were made to heal. If we cut ourselves by next week, it's scabbing or in a few days. So our bodies are naturally designed to heal. So healing takes time. 
So that was the initiation, I would say, Eric. For me, I had a lot of unforgiveness to my father. And um, so when my mother fell ill of cancer, uh, we actually reached out to my dad's sister, who we were still in contact with, to say, hey, my mom wants to see dad. I guess she wanted to make it right because she knew she was shifting and transitioning to be with the Lord. She wanted to put things behind her and <laughs> prepare to make her meet her maker. Right. Mm. So, and I, and I, and I honored that about her, although I didn't need to be there. So anyway, he refused to come. So that kind of just galvanized as a Christian, a young Christian at 23 galvanized my resentment to him. I knew I needed to forgive, but God, <laughs> you know, that's just beyond come on. And so I plummeted into deep depression, um, serving in, in the house of God. I was ordained young as a deaconess, different, uh, different ordina uh, ordinations, serving, loving God, serving people, growing in a certain body of believers, um, but not dealing with the unforgiveness in my heart. So I got depressed. I was suicidal. Secretly, no one knew. Um, and God showed up in one of those attempts to take my life. And it was unequivocally the presence of God that intervened that day because nobody, nobody could get to where I was. And um, so that happened in the 10 year span. And I say that because the healing process was 10 years for me. Yeah. And I, I, I write about it in my first book and it's called, um, uh, uh, revenge, reset, or retreat. <clears throat> and they talk about that, you know, we can choose to harbor resentment or we can choose to let it go. And letting it go is a process. And that's what it was for me. And I recognize that um, God had a lot for me on the other side of forgiving. And sometimes you can forgive without feeling like you're forgiving. So I did. I, I, I heard a Charles Stanley message, love Charles Stanley. And he was talking about, okay, put a chair right in front of you. You can't get to that person. You talk to that chair. And I remember doing this in my apartment and I said, dad, I forgive you. And I just released him and into the hands of the Lord. And I released any um, obligation and I, and sense of obligation. I felt like he had to make it up to his one natural daughter. Um, and I just let that go. And it was amazing how in time, the feeling proceeds the act of faith, because I didn't feel like I forgave him. But years later, when I saw him again, because he came to my brother's, one of my brother's uh, showers for his wife, and because he needs to be involved in his grandkids' life, but see his only grandkids, and um, there was no irk in my heart like we I laughed with my dad we sat down at the keg we had a great time and it shocked me that the feeling had actually proceeded my act of faith years earlier so yeah oh wow so that sounds like that was quite a journey for you as well in just going going through and kind of maybe a season of not forgiveness. Is that, is that where the, the sort of self-harm kind of stuff came from or is that? Yeah, I think it was a combination of grieving my mother's loss. Um, mm -hmm. You know, for me, the depression. Yeah. I, I, I recognize 
no one can put a time frame on how long to grieve someone mm. who you love. She was like my best friend. And <clears throat> I believe she prayed me into the kingdom of God. Um, for me, however, 10 years was too long. I remember recognizing this is not healthy for me because I knew there was a time to grieve. There was a time to rejoice. <clears throat> this was getting into self-loathing and just hopelessness and I don't want to go on and uh, all of that jazz. So um, that's, that's kind of what compounded with the unforgiveness. So deep grief for her loss, who was in my corner. I felt like she was the one in my corner. She was the one always rooting me on. And then my father, who should really be there for me in my mind, was on living his life and just kind of in my mind, forgetting that he even had a natural daughter. So it was just that, and, and then a slap in the face, I perceived that he gave my mom on her dying bed. So all of that compounded. And, and I, I recognize the enemy loves mm. bringing these little triggers up in our mind, in our history. Oh, remember when your cousin did that? Oh, don't forget this happened to you when you were four years old, 14 years old, 24. He is the master calling into the front stage your past but god reminded me that we need to remind him of his future because our fat our past is covered by the blood of jesus so i i was banking all of these points of references and these trigger factors <clears throat> and it just it reached an all-time high and i just i gave up and I think the beautiful thing, and I'm not going to cry here, but the beautiful thing about our God's love for us, oh my goodness, for the world. I won't even just be selfish, but right now I'm just going to say for me, because that's what I experienced. Yeah. I gave up. I'm like, whatever, God. Okay, I'm, I'm done. I, I'd rather just be gone. He, okay, so I'll tell you how he broke this down for me really Short version, I promise. Okay. No, that's great. Go ahead. <laughs> so my phone was beside me. I had counted 72 pills. So I still remember they were lined up on my pillow and just bathing myself in tears. And I was starting to take them. My phone was just blitzing off. And these were elders of my church who don't call me. <laughs> on that scale. Like it was a Saturday. It, it, it was very unnatural. So there were two different elders that were calling me in tandem. Nobody knew anything, but I believe that God alerted them. So I would just let it go to voicemail. And then the other one would call, let it go to voicemail. And then they actually bantered back and forth, calling me at least three to four times each. So much so I'm like, mm, okay, if that is you, God, too bad. I'm going to turn the phone off. So I turned the phone off. And I love watching classic movies. It's just been a thing for me. I love TCM, which is Turner Classic um, Movies. And I just got distracted by that phone call interruption because I had to be focused to do this. So I turned the, the television on in my room to TCM. And the actual part of a movie that I turned it on to was an old classic Ronald Reagan movie. If anyone knows Ronald Reagan's yeah. movies, he was a very good looking actor. <laughs> so very easy to look at. He was a good actor too. Um, I forget the name of the movie, but it was a movie where he was about to commit suicide. So when I turned the television on, it was at that very part. He was about to jump out of a window 
and the woman, the heroine who loved him so much, he locked the door so she couldn't get in to, to tell, to get him to not do it. But she was speaking through the door, telling him that she loves him. And if he ends his life, he will never get, she will never get to show him how much she loves him. And she can't force him not to jump, but she's asking him not to jump. Wow. I, okay, like that got my attention and I was crying. <laughs> I just repented and I knew, and the presence of God just filled my room. I knew that was the Lord intervening. And yeah, so I think that was the beginning of me coming out of that pit. So if there's anyone listening today that finds yourself or feels like you're in a pit, you feel like your brothers abandoned you or you just told everyone your dream, or you made mistakes. Anyway, you're in a pit, you're in a prison. I want to tell you that you're not too far out of God's reach. I don't care if you don't answer the phones of anyone who loves you or says that they love you. God is in that space with you, in that difficult, narrow place with you. Nobody could get through my door. Nobody could get through my phone. I shut it off he used a Ronald Reagan movie to talk to me. Like, come on. Yeah. Right. He wasn't going to let you go. Wasn't going to let me go. And he has his, he has his way and he has his plans. I think, I think that's, that's really amazing. It's an amazing story. And uh, thank you for sharing it. I appreciate that. My pleasure. Um, Okay. So what you said, that was kind of the beginning. So what happened from there? Like, how did you start to kind of, you know, move past the depression and, and the forgiveness and all that. Mm -hmm. I think there is a scripture I might be misquoting right now, but he puts a solitaire, solitaire in families. And I had placed, or I had been placed in a family of believers that truly loved God and loved whom God had committed to them as sheep. So my senior pastors, my mentors, I've had them on my podcast, actually, because they've been my mentors for years now. Um, but they're super cool, down to earth people. Um, they, they were, they were God's vessels to me in the time of, you know, not really knowing where to navigate or how to navigate through these murkier waters here, because I knew that there was a river of God that makes glad the cities of God. I knew there was life, there was healing. I tapped into that when I was 19 and first got saved. But right now I'm not seeing those clear sparkly waters. I'm still seeing, okay, I know God's called me, but I'm walking through this process of unforgiveness. It's a process. And uh, they were very helpful <clears throat> and they helped me to get back on the horse. I think one of the things that we have to be really uh, keen about is you know, God, you can use me when I'm fixed. Let me deal with this. And then I'll start serving others. Right. I'll serve you. I'll get back involved and whatnot in the community. Um, and there's a balance. I'm not saying to overdo it and, so, and be so task oriented because that's not God's heart either. But they helped remind me, okay, get back on the horse. You've got a call on your life. Um, God uses imperfect ordinary people to manifest his perfect plan and his extraordinary plan in the lives of all of us. And he wants to use you. And guess what? There's some people that are only going to hear from you that can't hear it from me. So you've got kind of like a responsibility here, Shar. So, and they said it in loving ways, 
But I, I say that, Eric, because serving, oh my goodness, that was where I found myself again. That's where I saw the plan, the heart, the pulse of God for others. And him choosing to partner with me, I mean, the privilege of partnering mm. with him to advance his kingdom, no words can describe how honored I've been. And I've made mistakes. I still make mistakes, but I know it's covered by the blood and, and I'm not bound to those mistakes. And um, he has told me, I think I was telling you, he told me in 2019, coming into 2020, that we're getting ready for the adventure of our lives. So it, it's brought me to from adventure to adventure to adventure to adventure. So much so that someone told me years ago, you've got books in you. I'm like, okay, that's the <laughs> wrong person. False prophet. Is why he's on the inside, right? Right. But um, it wasn't until uh, 2018 that that started to prick in my heart because I was journaling a lot through my experiences and God's like, I didn't have you journal just for nothing. Uh, someone is going to be blessed by this. I didn't know it was a book per se until probably uh, nearing the end of 2019. And that's when I kind of stepped out on water again. And uh, yeah, it's about the adventures of our lives and really noting God's presence in every junction along that adventure. Oh, I love that. Obviously I'm a little bit biased here, but I, I love the idea of just noting the God, the way that God shows up in our lives, right? Just that whole thing. Um, Cause that's kind of what we do, right? That's what we do here. I love hearing those stories of where he shows up. Cause I just don't think we can talk about enough, you know, like yeah. there's, he's always there and he's always working the theology I grew up with was very cessationist and like God wasn't doing so it's kind of the opposite of yours, right? Wow. Where, where we just didn't, we thought, Oh yeah, the Holy spirit exists, but we don't ever need to see, him, <laughs> which is so weird <laughs> when I say it out loud like that, but it's like, but so I, I'm like, no way it happens all the time. God shows up, yeah. he's working and we need to notice. And that's how we encourage one another. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think when we are, trying to keep up with the porcelain image of Christianity, we're doing not only ourselves a huge injust injustice, but we're doing an injustice to the people that are looking on to us. Those who are spurred on by our example. If we put up this pristine Christianity that, oh, you know, I've achieved, I've arrived, and right. God is using me, in the most utmost circumstances, it's it's not real. I, I, I've, I've loved this thought that I've always kind of had for at least for a few years now. And it just really humbled me because I used to be a judgmental Christian. And back then I wouldn't say I was, but in hindsight, right? It's 2020. I look back and I'm like, mm, yeah, sure. You definitely were judgmental. <laughs> um, but God's grace yet. Yeah? he is still so gracious to me. So this is just me looking back on myself through my own lens. But he showed me that, you know, Christ, if he was walking the earth, he is, by the way, through us, through the body of Christ. Hello. So right. we, the body, yep. <laughs> we are imperfect. We are earth vessels. 
So we have our mind, we have our intellect, we have our own emotions, we have our personalities, we have our attitudes, even though they are to be molded to the attitude of God's nature. He's chosen in his sovereignty to use the vessels that are imperfect to communicate his heart. Like that can't get any more brilliant than that. Only God can plan that. Mm -hmm. So I would look back and I would see, you know, if Jesus walked the earth, by the way, AKA he does, but if he walked the earth, read the stories, like read Luke, read Matthew, like he would be hanging out, not inside the church building. Yeah. (laughs) Like I remember when it hit me like a ton of bricks, just a few years ago, really. And, and I'm not knocking the church. I have been brought up in the church. I serve in the church. I still do. And we know church has taken on a different look now because we yep. know that God's not limited to brick and mortar. He's, he's chosen temples of flesh, right, to dwell in. <laughs> you would so, know it the way some people are talking, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> right. I get it, Eric. Trust me. I hear it too. So, but, and, and I love the assembly. That's, that's Hebrews, uh, yeah. what, 25, 10, 10, right. 25. One ten, yeah. 10, 10, 25, I think 10, totally. 25. And I would never say we should forsake, you know, just getting together, but I wish we'd have more creativity. Like here it is, you know, we, Thank you. you can do it. Like there's no reason yeah. it has to be in your little building. You can literally with the internet reach around the world, friends. I'm letting you know right now, go preach the gospel in that country you don't ever want to go to, but do it on in your, you know, in your office like we do. You know, we're podcasters. We get downloads everywhere. <laughs> exactly. And that's where Jesus is. Like that's where he would go. Like he was hanging out with the people in the red light district. He was hanging out where the trafficking was going on. I remember one morning in prayer, God just had me. I didn't know this, but apparently it came out in the news later, but I didn't know that Toronto is a hub for sex trafficking. Yeah. Like a hub, Eric. I didn't know that. But one morning in prayer, that's just how he brought me in our group. We were praying online and I don't know. I just started praying into that. And I felt a burden just to pray about that and to un unearth like the hidden houses and the houses that are in regular neighborhoods that just just all that jazz he was just he was just holy spirit was just praying through me and um it was i think later that month i heard yeah an exposing a research study that toronto is a hub for this yeah isn't that this horrifying? Is where Jesus hangs out. That's where I know. he is. I know, right? That's the same. Denver is the same way where we're the fourth busiest uh, sex trafficking city wow. in the United States. Isn't that, that just blows me away. It's astounding and unacceptable. And I have no idea what to do about it, but, um, <laughs> and that's the hard part, but I guess God will lead. He leads some people yes, in there. Anyway, that's kind of a, off the subject, but so I want to go back to, you said that you found, so after your, your kind of, you know, seasoned depression, you found joy in serving others and that you kind of found yourself again in serving others. What was that like? What did you do? What, what did God kind of lead you to, how did he lead you to serve others? So, uh, I believe God's called me as, Oh, and I hate to say this because it, I don't want it to sound like the traditional way because it's definitely non-traditional, but I know God's given me a grace to teach. 
And, um, and that's not to say, oh, I know everything. I'm going to teach you. But it's to be a student of his word. I'm finishing my master's degree. I think I told you last yeah. time we talked in theology. And I've had that desire since 19. When I got saved, I had a desire to go to Bible college. And I only pursued that in 2018. That's when I started finishing my master's. So um, I know God's called me to teach. So I've been teaching Bible studies, uh, life groups, home groups. Um, However, I think the most transformational aspect of serving was just being there for people um, in their times of need. I can't always be there, but I know God is always there. Um, But being there and just sitting where they sit and just sometimes not saying anything. Um, Last, I think in 2018, we had an influx and this I studied actually, and looked into this, and it just blew my mind because it's happening all over. It's not just our experience. But in Toronto, there is a boom of um, uh, Persian communities moving here that are on fire for God, loving Christianity, wanting to live for Christ, but being persecuted back in Iran. So they're leaving their home countries, leaving their families, sometimes leaving everyone and their children included to, to, to obey God and believe for their family to come after. So Toronto has experienced an influx since 2017. When I looked into this, the biggest, the biggest conversion country right now of Christianity is in Iran. Wow. And then studying historic Christianity, nothing has changed. So we're seeing, we're seeing a boom now, but generations and centuries ago, that's where the hub of Christianities were. Yeah. Turkey. And like, that's it. It was there and they had to flee there. So before they became Muslim, they were Christian actually before, but that's another topic. Totally. Um, but well, I will say this, it's yes. fascinating to, and I don't think most, you know, North American Christians understand this, but it's fascinating to think about the early church and study that history a little bit, because you're right. Like there, there are places, you know, we, we think sometimes, uh, at least, you know, in my you know, white suburban churches, right? We think, oh, we're going to send missionaries to Africa so that we can bring the gospel to Africa. Look, folks, the gospel was, Africa was the hub of Hello? of Christianity for hundreds of years before, before, you know, before, yeah, okay, things changed. But still, just don't, you're not bringing it to Africa. You might, you know, maybe re- reintroducing. You and I could talk here for oh, a man. It's because- re- Well, but that's where, so my point is, this is why, uh, knowing a little church history is a good thing, right? Just yeah. understand the whole thing. So, so all of that, is, uh, I'm a little passionate about it too. Cause I think there's so like in our discipleship, we've got to get some, yeah, a little Bible, a little theology, a little church history. It's all very helpful. Love it. Love it. Because even when I went to India in 2010 for our missions, I went and I was, oh my goodness. The mission, I was the mission field. I was, yeah. they, they ministered to me. I was just humbled and I was, I was, I was just, I was brokenhearted on the inside because I felt like I was going there to do something, but they challenged me with their love and zeal for the Lord and for people and the brothels and whatnot. So I, I totally hear you. And, and when you think about when Israel, um, when, when, when the persecutions came and mm-hmm. the exiles happened, 
we only history only tracks to the west right <laughs> we don't we don't account for that's like you and me saying you know what eric i feel like going to the right yeah well sure i'm going to take the left what about the people who went to the left? Right. History's only tracking people who went to the right. Yep. So there were a whole bunch of people, exiles, Jews, Christians that went to the Mediterranean, went to all those regions and shared the love of Christ. So it's awesome to, to, to see that now. So the um, this Persian community that came into our city has been coming and populated, has been populating all of our churches, but they don't speak English very well. But God placed them on my heart and we start to see an influx. Just God would just like in two months bring like 40, 45 to 50 wow. new members that don't speak English. So that's a challenge. Yeah. But some of them would have dreams that they were supposed to be in this church. This was before the lockdown. They would wake up and just say, there's a church on jury. I saw myself there. And they would like God was sending them here. So as they were learning English and I was learning Farsi, and that was a stretch, just <laughs> being with them and, and, and learning their culture. And that's just one example. I'm not saying I am, you know, they're everything because I'm learning and needing them as much as yeah. they're learning from me. Um, but that's part of the service, just sometimes being there and, 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 and loving them in spite of the differences that they may bring to a table. It's God in them. Mm, I love that. And he is right. And so that's the, that's the beautiful part. That's, that's why we need, we have the body of Christ. Like you were talking about earlier, because we all bring something different and we need all of that. I love yes. it. That's amazing. Okay. Well, so you're, are you finishing your theology degree? Yeah. I'm in my final year. That's cool. And, um, so. Are you doing yeah, a THM? Was, go ahead. Sorry. Was it THM? Uh, no, it's MDiv. Oh, you're doing MDiv. It's okay, MDiv that's right. Of uh, theological studies. Cool. And then when I finished that, I thought I wanted to teach in the traditional way, but God's kind of rewriting that for me, and I'm just trusting Him in the process. And um, I think part of the process was launching out in my um, writing career. <laughs> Yeah. which sounds really foreign from my lips. <laughs> it's literally what God's given me and he's telling me to own it because it's him. It's for his glory. Uh, so I'm seeing that it's kind of taking a different shape, but I think teaching is now going to come through my writing, um, podcasting and, and just trusting him for the next step. So I, like I said, he just told me take one step and he's opening the other doors. And my first step was to start, um, uh, my theological degree, my master's in that. And he knew what was coming around the corner, 2020 and yeah. pandemic. And I'm just holding on to his unchanging hand. I love that. Okay. I want to talk about, about seminary, getting, the, getting the MDiv. So what, what, cause everybody says seminary cemetery, right? What have right. you learned? What have you learned about like going through this process of, of going to seminary? So completely uh, debunked my preconceived ideas <laughs> of what it was going to be. I, when I was looking into it, when my mom first died, so I wanted to go at 19, my mom died and I took off to Atlanta just to clear my head. And I was going to live in Atlanta and go to, uh, I forget the Bible college, but it was a, it was a seminary there, but that never happened because God intervened and it wasn't the right time. I wouldn't have had the time to grieve properly. 
Um, so I thought it was going to be this, ah, like, oh my goodness, you're cold. Like just that kind of experience. Um, it's, it's a beautiful experience, but it's a humbling experience because yeah. I'm learning, like we were just bantering about moments ago about the history of our people. Eric, I say our people because we are yeah. God's children. So the history of the church, seeing where secular and sacred actually came from and why that was even a thing and before that even came into existence it was all it was all sacred and and just really seeing the church's involvement over history over the proof of proven time of their involvement in the community their involvement in legislation and we're not talking politics here i would dare not do that with you <laughs> and I don't like doing that but they were involved Paul was involved Paul was involved with politics it, it just Jesus wasn't afraid to draw back from that so it, just studying all of the history and not just the spiritual aspect but the real tangible interweaving of the Greco-Roman world the Hellenistic approach and the mythology and the philosophy and how it actually has played a role in how scripture has been interpreted yeah. and how you know even the word press and the printing press and how the whole oh. drama around I know I'm talking to you, know, you know what I I'm love talking it. About, but the whole drama around the printing press and, 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 and King James, and just, it's just fascinating because I see the frailty of men in history, like the Tudors, everything, King Henry, oh, man, right? all of, I see the frailty, Catholicism against Protestantism, uh, saying that with a tongue twist. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. I see, oh my gosh, God, these people were like faulty. Like they were out of line and even like the great theologians and Martin Luther King and John Wesley. I love seeing their humanness. I love seeing where they made mistakes as well, but God used them. Right. So where I am at right now, is completely non-denominational. They actually call it trans-denominational. So I'm learning from my Presbyterian brothers and sisters, mm, from my cool. Baptist brothers and sisters, from my apostolic, from my Methodist, Mennonite, I'm Catholics. Like they're all at where I go to Tyndale. And it's a beautiful tapestry of love for God. And um, we're studying scripture together. So it's a humbling experience every day. And they range from, oh, goodness, 18 so I think my oldest peer in my class uh, I met so far was like in their 70s. Like it's all walks of life. So seminary has been fulfilling, but it's humbling at the same time. And it was it's more for me because I've always had this desire. And I said to God, God, if not now, then when? He's like, go for it. I'll be with you. Step out. Nice. Don't. Don't ask me if you want me to, if, if I want you to go, what do you want to do? I literally heard him say that to me one Saturday morning when mm. I was praying. He's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, God, I want to do seminary. He's like, go, I'll be with you. Isn't that cool? Like, I'm convinced that we don't give our own desire enough credit that God would say something like that to you. 
because he's already put that desire in your heart, right? He put it there. He knew it was there. He knew the right time for it to bloom, right? And to send you to seminary when you'd be able to study and appreciate all that you were learning and, and, and get it. Um, that is super cool. I, I have a friend who talks about desire as, as kind of the leader of your human heart. The Hebrew way of thinking about that is totally different, totally different than our kind of Western Greek way. And, and it matters. So true because, you know, you said the scripture, he gives us a desire yeah. of our heart, but when we are with it, with him in oneness with him, those desires are his desires. So it, it came from him, came from his heart. Right. And I think we over mystify and we over Christianize, you know, the will of God. (laughs) And that was another aspect that was humbling for me over my years of walking with the Lord. Um, His will is, there is no, like, I used to believe, and, and you might have listeners that, you know, had their own belief and I totally welcome and acknowledge that. And there is a place for you standing what you believe, but I, my walk has been learning the perfect will of God is the word of God, but there's also uh, an acceptable will of God where he lets you choose. Right. Like he, he's like, I'm not going to be your taskmaster. I'm not going to force you to do this. And if you don't do this, you're never going to hear from me until you get back. Like I grew up like that. If you, I, I would go clubbing. So before I became a Christian, that was, that was a big no, no in my house. Yeah. (laughs) So I would, I would, I grew up thinking God's not in this club with me. I'm going to give you a story, Eric. I grew up believing God is waiting on the outside of this club. If anything happens on the inside, sure, you're on your own. Oh, wow. He's not in here with you because that's the Pentecost. That's in at least my experience. That's how yeah. I grew up until, okay. So I didn't tell you what brought me to the Lord. Yeah. I went to youth group because I was being forced, but what got me to be attentive to the minister at 19 in that service was what happened to me the week before at a club. So I was in the club. Um, I think I, it was my like 19th birthday. I was just coming out of 18. So feeling like a grown adult, I'm grown. Right. I can do my own <laughs> thing, right. So I had an encounter with the spirit of God on the dance floor. I didn't go to drink. I didn't go to smoke. I didn't go to, you know, have illicit sex, whatever. That was just my thing. I love music, still love music, but I just went to dance and, um, God opened my eyes on the dance floor and I saw all of these people that were miserable. I kid mm. you not. I never saw that before. I would see, oh, she's so gorgeous. And, oh, he's so cool. And that's all I saw before. But that one night, my eyes were opened. And I saw people just like me in the wrong place, trying to get what they long for. And I remember even seeing across the bar uh, another young uh, man who was in my youth group, but we never talked. We made eye contact. <laughs> and I remember him and I just kind of talked across the floor with our eyes. What are we doing here? We yeah. don't belong. And I felt such a displacement, but I also sensed the presence and warmth and the hug of God on that dance floor saying, it's okay, I got you. There was also a, a gunshot that happened like a few minutes later. Everybody jumped out and ran out and there was some bottle smashings, all this craziness. 
But moments before that, God was talking to me in the club. So I had that paradigm shift and that seismic shift to how I was told God was. And so it was just amazing to see that he is interweaving all of these aspects of our lives together to bring us to where we are today. And I'm sorry, I don't even know how I got on that tangent. That's fantastic. I, I don't remember what we were saying either. It's all right. I love that. And I love the, I love the story. I'm so convinced this is why we talk about experience, right? Because that experience, it's unique, it's subjective, but I wholly believe it, right? I wholly believe that, that God spoke to you and maybe was protecting you in that time, right? And he was saying something and that's what brought you. And I love, I love, love, love hearing those kinds of stories. So um, thanks for for sharing that. We're we're pretty much uh, up to time. So I'm excited to see where you, where you head after you get your degree, when you finish up. And you know what? I think you're, you're smart to already be into new media and writing and podcasting because I think that's the future of how the gospel goes out in the 21st century. So good, good on you for doing that. And, um, you know, I'll, so it's great. So people can find you. Where can people find you? What's your, what's your website? Yeah. So the easiest way to get to my website is if they find me on IG. So Instagram and it's at Char Candid Pod. So Char with a C-H, Candid Pod, one word. Um, and then you have the link tree, which will give you the link to all of my platforms. Um, my YouTube channel also is the Char Candid channel. So that's super easy to find. But my website is there. Um, and uh, Facebook, I'm on Charmaine Cooper. But yeah, that's probably the best way if they go to my Instagram or if they check me out on the YouTube channel. But uh, when we release the books, um, I'm really excited about that because it's really the story that God's given me to encourage others out there. Come on, share your stories because you've got stories to give. I love it. All right. Well, that's great. Is there anything you want to leave us with? I just want to encourage your listeners, um, wherever they are. And I, I know, I think God kind of brought us there before, but I really believe nothing happens by happenstance. And you're listening to this when you're listening to this, because God has a very distinct purpose for you. And I want to encourage you that if you do feel alone, we've been there. Oh my goodness. We've all felt lonely, but just because you are alone doesn't mean you need to embrace loneliness because even in the pit, when you don't know what to do, he is with you. And that's a promise you can take to, I want to say to the next life, because not even just to your grave, to your next life, because this is just our practice ground. This is our trial run through dress rehearsal and your future absolutely looks bright not just in glory but right here so be encouraged and thanks again for connecting i love that thank you for being here so so good eternity is available right now friends uh go check it out you are already in your podcast app flip over and subscribe to the shark handed podcast you won't regret it thanks a lot Shar, for being here thank you eric